This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. This is episode number 158, and uh, with me, as always, are my good friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskel. How's it going, guys? Hey-o! Hey, hey. Everybody doing good tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Sweating my balls off, but doing (laughs) great. Because you can't have a fan on. When you record, so yeah, I was just telling Eric the same thing before we started recording. Like I'm still out <laughs> here in the garage, and it's really hot out here. But that's all right. I don't want to turn a fan on because then I'll be trying to compete with it. For some I yeah. feel like I feel like I'm as shiny as Dolph Lundgren is in this movie, oh. minus all the muscles. That's a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, got the shininess though. That's what counts. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a little bit Night. closer to the keymaker himself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Uh, like I'm spoiled here. I was uh, hot all day, so I'm like wearing shorts and a t-shirt. But I'm sitting down in my basement, and it's like 64 in the basement, and I'm like, wow, it's a little chilly down here. So um, it, it feels nice. good after today, I should say. Oh uh, yeah. Just yeah. to yeah. let you guys count, know that it's I'm a little blessings. cold, little cold here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm storms brewing. My knees been acting up. So. <laughs> yeah. And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a New Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Video Junkyard Podcast. But yeah, I mean, Ryan's right with with this movie, the whole, like, his reference to Dolph and his glistening like this the movie we're gonna talk about tonight also like made me feel a bit old because this is something like this is a deep cut to childhood it sure mm-hmm. is yeah yeah this was a real deep cut i would say that this fandom was my first fandom i would even go so far yeah oh yeah. wow yeah i certainly remember it being a fandom and I, and I wasn't like totally outside of it but um do you guys just want to dive right in? I was going to ask yeah. if you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about or been watching or anything, but we can just dive right into this. Let's it, dive. it sound like you got a lot to say about it. Oh, yeah. 
There's yeah. a universe to explore here, my friends. And I am the yeah. master of it. What we're going to talk about tonight is the 1987 adaptation of a popular uh, cartoon show and toy line. This is Masters of the Universe, or Masters of the Universe, the motion picture, depending on what country you saw this in. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No. Somebody help me! distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. Um, yeah, so based on the cartoon show, Filmation cartoon show, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which is a big hit, as Joe's talking about, and the toy line by Mattel. Um, I don't remember which one came first. I imagine toy line. the show, but... Toy line. Those are the toys. Toy line. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That is the one. I, I knew one of these things that started off as just toys, and they kind of wrote around that, so... See, you Good. had I'm to not watch totally the documentary that Joe requested us to watch beforehand. You didn't do your research, my friend. I didn't, There's so. There's a... That, that it could be an entire episode. We'll touch, I'm sure, upon some of those things, too, because, like, the whole history of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toy line into how it was created into how the TV show came about, how the mini-comics came about, are it, it it reminds me a lot of what happened later in life, and something all three of us also share, too, was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles phenomenon. Yeah. yeah Very similar, that. except yeah. it started with the comic, but how it was almost kind of slapdash put together. Uh, the, yeah. The toy line for Masters of the Universe, I don't want to say it was slapdash, but it was totally different than anything else at the time. And, yeah. and It was um, a bold move to do. Very. And so the fact that a movie was made in 87, I mean, it was inevitable around that time, right? In the late 80s, if you had a popular toy line or a cartoon, they're making a live action movie, whether it's good or not. Yeah. Someone's yeah. fighting over the rights to this Batman thing. Yeah. 89. This is before, yes, like, it is. Where, where a superhero creates, like, a real big spike in a toy line like this. Well, I mean, there's Star, Star Wars, but I mean, like, superhero yeah. type things. Right. And yeah, it's, pretty much post-Star Wars, yeah. everybody was just chomping at the bit for anything like this that you could tie into all of those different things, you know. Um, well, so yeah, this was, yeah. It, with Master of the Universe, I think this was just the logical next step. Yep. They, they, yeah. 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 They, they like were post-Mall. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. I was, oh, I was sorry. I was going to say, I think it's also the death. I don't want to say death, but it's like the last um, kind of barbarian-esque, like where you have yeah. like a muscle-bound lead actor 
that yeah. ahead of a kids oh, franchise or totally. some kind of media like that. Well, I'm saying yeah. it's it's the end of it. Conan's like was a highlight, but with this movie and how it kind of was received, it's like at the tail end of we don't really care for glistening muscly muscled men. And then a few years later, you have a what is traditionally a comedic actor thrown in rubble a rubber muscle suit, probably equally sweaty if not more. But um, <laughs> with the Batman, and then so on, and it's like the well, way that He Man kind of disappears. And I, I, obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the movie, but just to kind of lead up to that, I guess. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you mentioned that in that the, there's a documentary on Netflix. I think it's called Power of Grayskull, and it's all about the history of the yeah. He Man phenomenon. Yeah. And I recommend it. It's very, very good. But they talk in that oh, yeah. about how they were trying to come up with a toy line to compete with Star Wars. Yeah, but they Kinda, didn't. Yep. But, but they couldn't do space because that was all Star Wars. So right. they were looking at what else they could get rights to, and they looked at well, you know, the, these Conan movies are popular, but then they were like, we can't make toys to these; those are rated R movies. Yeah, and so <laughs> that's how they like. Well, let's create our own. And they should have jumped forward into the '90s, and they wouldn't have had a problem with that at e- all. But, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but you know, they they um they were like, we we can't do Conan, but you know what, we. Frank Frazetta stuff is really popular too, his artwork. Yeah. And Dungeons and Dragons and all that. So it made sense that they went barbarian, but then they added this weird kind of space stuff to it. And that was later on a little bit, but it. And then they make this movie. So it's like this movie is what happens once the barbarian franchise gets recycled through toys, comics, uh, a cartoon show, a filmation cartoon show, and now a major motion picture. By which studio yeah. also? By Canon, Canon Pictures, yeah. yeah. Canon Golden Pictures. and Globus, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. yes, this movie was destined to where it ended up being, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get a synopsis. So, yeah. Yeah, real quick, let's do a synopsis. It's a, it's just from the back of the DVD box, which I do happen to own this on DVD. Uh, only the universe... Only the universe could hold adventure this big, which that is an odd line just to start. But anyway, only the universe could hold anything, right? Because it's the fucking universe. It's the fucking universe. (laughs) Planet Eternia. Actually true. (laughs) (laughs) Planet Eternia and the castle of Grayskull are under threat from the evil Skeletor, who wants to take over the planet. A group of freedom fighters led by the heroic He-Man are accidentally transported to Earth by a mysterious cosmic key, which holds the power to make Skeletor all-powerful. Once on Earth, He-Man joins alliances with two teenagers as they attempt to find the key and return home. Somebody should proofread the grammar of this uh, DVD. Somebody should have proofread the grammar of this film. Um, (laughs) But it it is true that the universe does hold this adventure, so that's it. It's got a hell of a cast, though. I mean, you've got Dolph Lundgren, you've got Billy Barton. This is Dolph's first lead role. Too. Yeah. Yeah. After, well, first you know, starring Rocky and his third film, I yeah, believe. Third film. Um, yep. Yeah. 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 This was right after the success, like his character's success in Rocky Four. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got Dolph. You've got Billy Barty. Yeah. Who is so Billy Barty again? Who got to? This. Yeah. Just um, talking about him the other day when we did Willow, but yeah. Courtney right. Cox and a, a very young Courtney Cox, mm-hmm. and Frank Lagella as Skeletor. Yes, who Ooh. deserves a standing ovation as being the oh reason yeah to see this, fucking but, great yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's really like the only reason <laughs> to watch this and probably know. one of the few yeah. cast people who was like truly excited like as a, like it's like what his four year old son was a big He Man fan and yeah. as soon as yeah. he was asked before even reading a script he goes yes 
and to this day <laughs> he says it's one of his uh one of his more favorite roles he's ever played so like a lot of love yeah. from yeah so that's i love cool. it like there's a lot of people in this movie that kind of seem like they're phoning it in and he's never he's just giving it his all the whole time so and he's as, great he's, it, as he says in the documentary he, he always wanted to take it to the moon every chance he got so yeah because he's say. like this is a character i can really do that and it's so weird because you watch frank Langella now you know yeah. the movie's like frost nixon it's like that's fucking skeletor which i guess tracks yeah. you know it's like oh nixon skeletor sure <laughs> why go. not but it could have just been skeletor he at least yeah. would have yeah. been yeah. on the skeletor cabinet. the whole time yeah. but oh yeah this he he was great in this so gosh what was the when was the first time you guys saw this one uh, for me, it was relatively contemporary. I did not probably see it in movie theaters. I remember seeing the toys and not, obviously, not the He-Man toys I was already familiar with and had some of those at home, but the toys from the movie. And I was at KB when we were in, on a vacation in Florida. This is a really specific memory for some reason. Uh, and I bought a, having no idea who this character was, uh, bought a Gwildor toy, which I wish I still had. I don't. But, um... And uh, came with like a little cosmic key in the whole thing. So it was a movie, you know, the movie tie in. So a whole new like line of the toys and uh, became aware through the packaging there that there was a movie, a He-Man movie coming out. Uh, Didn't get a chance to see it in movie theaters, but I think saw it fairly quickly after its release on video, which if, you know, those of you that are as old as I am out there, remember that it took a couple years to get things out on video back in the day. So I'd say 88, 89. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw this the first time, but um, I consider that to be contemporary being that it took forever for things to come out on video. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I saw it, and all of its all, all of its faults that I'm sure we'll discuss aside, I thought it was great when I was a kid. So yeah, um, yeah. What about you, Ryan? So, like many of these things, uh, my history with stuff like this is kind of bizarre and like um, like a weird jigsaw, like in the middle of nowhere type such scenario. For example, I never heard of He Man. Hey, sorry, I've never heard of He Man until later in my life. Like. Um, I would say like somewhere like 10, 13, somewhere between there. Um, and it was before, like I, my, my He-Man was like the 2001 remake. Was it 2001? Yeah. Whatever. Like when yeah. they did the remake on, yeah. on a uh, cartoon network, loved it. But there was one instant before that. And that was, I was given a Skeletor it was a battle damage Skeletor. Oh, with the flippy thing in his chest. With, yes. Yeah. Um, from my that. grandmother, because she would do. My grandma's one of those fucking people who just gar- garage sale everything. So you get all these like broken, mangled toys, and you have no fucking idea where they're from. So I had yep. no idea what the fuck Skeletor was. I thought he was just like cheap fucking brand toy. <laughs> I didn't think he was part yeah. of a main brand thing. But I, I was like, oh, this is interesting. The battle, whatever. Um. And then and the squishy head, which always threw me off. Uh, and then later on, find out about He Man. And then I'm staying over at my cousin's house one day. We're just wa- go channel surfing, and at one point, the He Man movie's on. Mind you, I had no idea that the He Man movie fucking existed. But I saw Skeletor, <laughs> and I'm like, that looks like Skeletor. Like, what is this? And then there's Dolph Lundgren, who I didn't really know who that was yet. Like is this he-man this can't be he-man and this is before like this is the type of cable that didn't really tell you anything 
Um, yep. So you I got just I Wikipedia just, it back then. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing. It was what it was is like I got the whole fight in the street scene, and Skeletor shows up, and that's all I got, and I wasn't able to find anything else, and I was just like for years uh always trying to find this thing until you know it, it, later on i found out more about it uh but this is actually my first time ever fully seeing the movie oh really wow really like like i said wow. it was a weird weird jigsaw thing for me i think i was watching clips online on youtube for a minute when i was interested but um this is the first time um i yeah. I, I grew my earliest memories as a as a little kid are loving he-man and I, I didn't know this until later in life, but like my, I had, I had a bunch of the toys and some of them were new, but most of them were actually from a cousin of mine who, before I like was mentally online, you know, was like, yeah. let him have my, so my castle Grayskull and snake mountain and all that toys, which are literally here in the garage with me. Um, you it's know, they're, worth they're some shit too. They're weather worn awesome. and I don't have all the pieces to them, but I have the main ones. And unfortunately I don't have a lot of the figures. Those got ruined over the years. Um, but I have Same a with my Skeletor. Of, you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I was, I, I I'm going to admit this on the podcast. I had He-Man under ruse. I was a He-Man obsessed <laughs> kid. And um, he's wearing yeah. them tonight, folks. It's That's, quite impressive. Nearly very, 40. very, there's not a lot of movement anywhere down there. Um, <laughs> very tight. <laughs> the, um, I remember when this movie was coming out, I remember being really excited because I had an uncle who lived out in LA and he actually met Dolph Lundgren and had him sign a He-Man poster for me. Oh, that's cool. And I nice. don't know what happened to it. I'm sure as a kid it didn't Aww. get the respect <laughs> it deserved, but he met right. Dolph Lundgren and and uh, you know, proved it and and that was that was pretty cool. So I was excited when this movie came out. I don't remember seeing it in the theaters, but I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure my parents took me to see this one. Um and I think my the only thing I remember as a kid, like what was my opinion of the Masters of the Universe movie, was this is nothing like the cartoon show. Yeah, we yeah. should we should start it's talking totally about this different. movie. <laughs> First off, the intro song is totally a '70s Superman ripoff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like I, down to I, the music. The the first thing that I wrote down is like, oh, the music in here, here sounds familiar to me, and then I figured out that like, oh, it just sounds familiar because it's kind of like other stuff, but right. But even like the graphics flying through in space. But it actually ends up being one of the like better things about the movie is Bill Conti's score is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's not bad. I actually bad, like it. It works. It is jarring at first. It's very Superman-esque, but I think that's per- kind of perfect for, for this. But... I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the first comics was He-Man versus Superman to get the whole franchise started. Yeah. Like in the to, com- uh, give it some attention, yeah. Yeah. They hooked up with DC Comics. Yep, uh, which is so, so it's kind and, of fitting and, in a weird way. And, you know, the whole concept of, like, Eternia, which they created for the toys. And actually, and, and I'm not spoiling really much from the, the documentary here, but one of the things that, that is the history of, the, of the, the toy line is once they came up with these original toys, they were shopping them around to different toy companies like Kenner and Mattel and so on. And they were meeting with Mattel, I believe it was, because Mattel's the one who distributed these. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, yeah, so this is the target audience. It's to these little kids. And, you know, here's Skeletor and here's He-Man and here's all these other characters. And the studio or the, the toy company execs were like, well, how are the kids going to know 
the storyline or these the backstories to these characters how are they going to know who's who and how they work you know like what's the dynamic here and they were like one of the people just in the meeting just blurted out oh yeah we're gonna have a comic book in every single uh, action figure hmm. and then they looked at each other and like i guess we gotta find somebody to write a comic they just kind of <laughs> like threw it out there in the meeting and the execs went oh okay that's fine and so there were these you had the, the storyline from the comics and then you had the storyline from the cartoon and they're different and now you have the storyline yeah. in the movie and it's also different but the whole concept of this like space barbarian thing was was it it shouldn't have worked but of course it did well the yeah. this this movie what it does and i don't think they correct me if i'm wrong but they didn't really do this with any of the other stories in the other like in the toy line comics and and uh cartoons either of the cartoons like i said correct me if i'm wrong but the movie is unique and not necessarily in my opinion a good way is that most of it takes place on earth yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which None of it takes kinda, place on Earth in any. Of there's the very media. little, little Eternia, which is the whole like. That's what made He Man so fascinating. Is like there was a universe, like Masters right. of the Universe, but what universe? This universe, which was fascinating, and it, that's that whole fantasy element. But clearly, with a canon budget. <laughs> um, yep. That's like, how they got made, got this movie made for twenty two million, which even seems a bit expensive. But yeah, yeah they're like, yeah. here here's a few mats. We get a a castle gray skull, skull, which we should briefly talk about how cool that like well cool and interesting. The Eternia stuff in this movie looks great, right? Which makes like, you kind of go the, the design, the which yeah. we should talk about since the right. That's Joe where kind, kind of as a connection to the person who was the production designer yeah. on this movie. Which is where I kind of want to lead is this like you get a taste of this Eternia through the Castle Grayskull and it's fascinating. It's like it's kind of like the world building of the Flash Gordon movie around that time, yeah. but way better, way well, fucking better. Th- there, there's there was a, a a very strong nod, and this has been confirmed and even responded to with the uh, DC New Gods jack yeah. kirby run i mean they pretty much made this movie this is the closest you're going to get to a new gods movie the way they yeah. designed it is like right off of a jack kirby page but the and, thing that sucks is you only he get even responded like... being like yeah holy shit like skeletor is essentially fucking you know dark side, dark side. Just, <laughs> i mean it's especially yeah. especially when they when he reaches his like spoiler that god mode at the end definitely yeah. like i yeah. feel the gold that plated yep and the weird... i can see Antlers, a lot yeah. of that dark side. I mean, but evil, evil Lynn is a is a better looking Granny Goodness. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the case in general? In my um, opinion. In my well, opinion. yeah. I mean, wait till you're older, Joe. Give it about another twenty years, maybe. <laughs> um. No, I'm just joking. Uh. But th- that's the thing. Like you see a taste of the world building of Eternia and such and it's nice but then you find out the majority of the movie takes place on earth not even like all of earth pretty much just on one downtown street yeah, yeah. and it, and the majority of the movie also focuses on the uh, relationship between two teenage kids earth kids oh my god um, this fucking teenage but, uh... drama story yeah, I, I mean, and it doesn't. I, I shouldn't say. I'm gonna backstep. It doesn't focus on it, but it certainly they become the main characters and are right. you know characters from Eternia become supporting characters that kind of you know walk these two you know the the main characters played by uh, Courtney Cox and 
Robert Duncan McNeil as Kevin. And, um, yeah, but yeah, Kevin and Julie become our main characters and the other characters, the attorney characters are He-Man and Tila, Man-at-Arms, um, get, just kind of become the supporting cast that is kind of guiding them through the craziness that they kind of, that come, comes along with them. So it's, really it's weird, weird thing to do with those, <laughs> those characters, but yeah, well, it's, it feels like it's a kind of a common thing to do back then. Like if you had like these super fantasy elements, like I always feel like there was like those producers somewhere who goes like, I don't think anyone can really like, you know, relate to any of these fantastical characters. Maybe we're going to get a better audience if we have like some down to earth people. It's like, yeah, that's a good way to ruin anything. <laughs> it's like, dude, do or, you think you know, if you need your earth character, your, your teenage kids or whatever, Put them in Eternia. There, right, you, then you get your relation. You get your character to ask all the right questions and explain the world to you really quickly, the way you need to do in a major budget adaptation of a cartoon show. But you don't have, you know, you don't like dumb down everything to this like one, like you said, oh like God. Main Street set. <laughs> and, or and the even stupid, that, like... and even that, it it even if they would have done that, like let's put an Earthling on Eternia, that's still getting into yet another cliche. Like they did with, yeah. you know, that as much as I, not to go off on other movies, but as much as I love the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies, the first one does that. Here's a square yeah. normal human and let's put him into this weird whimsical world as a way of just getting all the exposition out. Yep. And well, well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's, common it's trope. And this point. does it, this does it in an even, yeah, yeah, this does it too much where... Like you said, you're focusing on characters that you're not you're not paying to see them. You're paying to see He-Man. You want to see Skeletor. You want to see Beast Man. You want to see all the other fucking characters of which, from the comics and from the toys and from the cartoon, they didn't even use a lot of, and they created a bunch of characters for this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they kill one of the cool new created characters right away. Well, who comes uh, from the comic? Sauron? Beast yeah. Man. Sorry, Beast Man is a. Um... Is Saurad one too as well? Saurad is not. No, nope. and he's yeah, cool. So like he's, I loved the yeah. the the inflating neck pouch and everything. Yeah, that was cool. But yep, Saurad's not. And you have what about Blade? Nope. I no. Okay, so Beastman's really the only Beastman, one. Of the, like, Evil Inn. Beastman, Evil Inn, Evil Inn, yeah. And Skeletor. Yep. Okay. And then on the Eternia side, you've got you know the Sorceress, Tila and Man at Arms. Tila, Man at Arms, and He Man. Yeah. Sorceress. Yep. Yeah. But there's no Obviously. Orko. Instead, we get. You know the the key maker, Gwildor. Yeah, Gwildor. Gwildor. And he's great in it, but it's like this is clearly meant to be kind of like Orko. Orko yeah. is this yes. little purple flying wizard I think, dude. In I the think cartoon. Orko is too much for yeah. on screen, and, and rather than redesign the character or name him the same thing, I think they just came up with sure Gwildor as his replacement. But well, they couldn't do like uh, I forgot uh, forgot the name of the tiger. <laughs> um, oh, Battle Cat. Yeah, they couldn't do they couldn't do Battle Cat or Orko because like it would require special effects that did not really exist right. for them. But my God, um, a, a live action Masters of the Universe movie right now! Oh Holy my God, it, it needs to happen. I mean, keep I mean, your fingers happened. crossed. They've been trying to do it for two two decades now, so we'll yeah. see. Oh my God, yeah. There's a new Netflix series coming out. Maybe that'll spark some interest. Hope. We can hope, but yeah, because th- th- I mean, they got that's Mark one Hale of my complaints Skeletor, about this so. one is that it we're missing. A good fraction of the stuff that made Masters of the Universe so great was all these really bizarre characters. And they created a few, but they're just not... They don't... I mean, they have Beastman in this, but he doesn't do anything. No. 
And it's pretty much the masters of the Boron universe. Because we didn't get the cool universe, we got the fucking lame one. It's like, yeah, it's like, we know Earth. Yeah. There's shit yeah. that looks cool. I can hear fireworks going. Yeah. Happy Fourth of yeah, July. We hear it here yeah. too. That's <laughs> all right. Um, that was something I know. Like, there's all the vehicles and stuff from the the toys and the cartoons. Like, those are the things that made Mass of the Universe so popular. Yeah. And and yeah. originally there there is a script that they just they cut it. Unfortunately, that Shira was also going to be in this movie. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He-Man's twin and the, sister. Which and the climax was supposed to be a, a bigger a battle, too. too. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the well, end battle the, scene the with entire original script supposedly took place on Eternia, and they, you know, they axed that and started figuring out how they were going to shoot this thing affordably, and I'm sure that's how they came up with the 20th century Earth plot. And um, Well, the know, cool thing is, like, just Bill Stout, who was the production designer on this one, uh, actually in this documentary also shows that he has drafts of like early versions of of she-ra because when yeah. he was brought in that was still going to be part of it but they ended up not going with it so yeah there there was a there's a whole other movie that could have existed we can't be like you know release the whatever release the canon cut or right whatever. but um <laughs> no. you know that's it could have existed at this at this budget point and i i think you know golden and globus and, and canon films they were you know they 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 were getting some of these high-profile um, names, like rights to you know Masters of the Universe and rights to the Punisher and rights to you know some other stuff that kind of crashed their company. Superman, they got Superman four, and um, they just—I don't know if they didn't have the facility, like they didn't really have the assets to to handle those big names. But that's kind of what it seems like to me. Like they really didn't have the money to give these movies what they deserved, the treatments they deserved. I mean, that's why historically, you know, you know Superman 4 was a, a giant letdown for people. Master of the Universe it was a giant letdown for people. The Punisher film, another Dolph Lundgren yeah. <laughs> uh, vehicle, was a big letdown for people. And I think it's just because they just didn't have the kind of money they needed to throw at these things. Well, uh, they I were think, able to get the rights, but... I think especially yeah, Masters of the Universe. I mean, the mm. cartoon is batshit. Even if you take yeah. out the, you know the moral lesson things that Orko does every episode, um, you know, and, and the rotoscoping and all that. Um, it just, the, the whole, as weird as it was, the mythology of Masters of the Universe is something that, yeah, at the time, they just couldn't do. And actually, I give the, I, I give the, everybody involved in the production of this film props for realizing that and trying to do something totally different. They're going to try to make a oh, movie yeah. version. They, it, they're not trying to make the cartoon. They're not trying to make the toy. They're trying to make this movie. And it's incredibly ambitious for what it is. It has problems. Part of those are this is the way movies were made at the time. This is the way pacing was considered yeah. acceptable at the time and all that. But, well, you know, we get it. They, uh, also, did, they definitely wrote tried this, their best. Yeah. They did. Yeah. With they wrote they this very independent story. Um, but then gave it too much like coming into this blind like let's say you've never seen masters of the universe or have no awareness of what he-man is and you walk into this movie unlikely of course in 1987 that you have no um, context for it but if you did um they wrote it so that like it, it kind of exists on its own but it's still tied too tightly to the other stuff 
uh, you have to have some sort of an understanding of this. You're not given a whole lot of exposition about like what are, what is this war? How does the universe work? What is you know you, you get that like one minute explanation of Gray Skull and uh, you know who who controls the power is the master of the universe and that like opening like really quick expl- explanation, but nothing else really. You don't even really get an explanation of who He Man is. Um, no, there's no you don't really get to see. Yeah, right. no Prince Adam. And you don't even and, get to see the siege of Grayskull. You see it after, and you're told right. that it happened. Yeah, like, so so that's a little bit of a like disagreement with, like, the oh, it, it stands on its own. Yes, in a way it does, but also they're assuming that you know a lot of stuff about the characters. So that me- actually makes it a little tougher to swallow. If it was totally on its own, and they totally made it its own thing, like, maybe... I don't know if it would help it be a better movie necessarily, but maybe you could, like... You know, take it on it on it as its own thing out in there, but it's. I think it's too heavily tied to the series and to the other yeah. media. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it, it. If if they really, I guess, wanted to do their complete own thing, then they wouldn't have done the whole like, oh, and Matt at Arms and Teela are, are you know father daughter and. Honestly, this is just a personal thing. Matt at Arms, I never really got the appeal. Like, <laughs> even as the toy, it's just... And I know I'm not alone in this. I know there's other people. Like, Man at Arms is like, who the fuck are you? You know? It's You're the kind of, old dads who are he's, trying he's to find a way to play with their guy. kids. I know That's he's supposed to be, like, you know, the, the head of the military type... Something like that. But they remove it so much from context. It's like, yeah, he's like a general, kind of. He's, yeah. he's comic relief mostly in the movie. Um, yeah. He's not really shown to do anything badass. I, I I'm hoping this like, I'm hoping this new Masters of the Universe show that Kevin Smith's doing on Netflix like actually shows Matt at Arms doing something. <laughs> but I, I I don't know. Isn't isn't um, it? I maybe I'm wrong here, but isn't it that he gets pretty much wiped out and Tila takes over the role like the woman of Arms? I don't know. Maybe that's fan speculation. I didn't look deep into it. <laughs> So. Honestly, though, th- this this movie is what it is, and it's full of flaws, of course. Oh my god! But can my we? God, does it just make you want to see like a new version? Like, can we get the? Can we get a Marvel <laughs> treatment for this? I yeah. World I have to s- and universe. I have to say, there's one of these jokes that these types of movies do, and this is what I hate about taking a fantasy element. You don't have the budget for it, so you throw it on Earth or whatever the reasons that you do it. There's no matter what you have to have that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. Um, <clears throat> you have to take your characters and put them in like these. Oh, we're in an alien world situation kind of jokes, aka the whole rib eaten scene, like where they yeah, steal the barbecue. The, yeah. They're eating the yep. barbecue ribs, and then they're just like, like was it Tila's? Just like, wait, this is an animal, and then like Orco, not Orco. Wow. Uh, orco light <laughs> diet orco i'm just gonna call him diet orco yeah. at this point because it's easier for me goes like oh i didn't know and it's man at arms it's just like oh fucking it fucking tastes good to eat what you eat but i'm like wait are they all vegetarians is yeah. that what this is implying the idea that it's so barbaric to eat animals on our he, he man's just that big from protein supplements like he's, he's just, just eating a veggie burgers. Of soybeans or something <laughs> <laughs> This is just, there's so much estrogen in my pecs from all the soy milk that I drink. It's just and by the like, way, it's Gildor, yeah. right? Gildor, yeah. Gildor and Orco, Gildorco. 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 Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, grilled orco. Grilled, grilled orco. orco. <laughs> um, it's yeah, just, that, that kind of gag was it. low-hanging fruit, sucks. I guess. I it is. Know, it, was... it is. It's like low-hanging fruit from a He-Man underoo. It's just not necessary. Yeah, and, you know, really, there's not a lot of He-Man doing He-Man stuff he, in this either. He's, he's he just, really just he has a gun. another character. And he's he gets, like, two scenes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the gun. People, he's just like, shooting get, get all bent out of shape about the gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and even... I guess just to... Well, and you, you mentioned the New Gods thing, but there is certainly a attempt to invoke some, like, Star Wars nostalgia here as well. We're talking it's a decade post-Star oh, mean... Wars, but do you mean like He-Man on a hoverboard? Y- yeah, well, <laughs> that and just like the laser gun battles and stuff, yeah. like all are very Star Wars esque. The uh, troopers, the Skeletor's troopers, are all very kind of imperial looking. They actually kind of look like the um, communications First... officers and stuff on the Death Star that they have the kind of helmets. Like I, that, I, but... I will admit, they kind of look kind of cool. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of look like a cool, like, First Order hey, Stormtrooper. Like I said, I'm going to go back to that every time. The Eternia stuff in this is actually pretty great. It is. It just yeah. does, they just don't do much of it. I know. Like, so. But how about He-Man on a hoverboard? I mean, that, nothing screams 1987 more than He-Man on a hoverboard. I but... felt like they just took, like, an action figure on a prop. Because <laughs> the way that the leg position was that whole time, because it's just the same stance... Yeah, and every yeah. time like you saw it, it, it was I like playing there, with the toys and putting them on a there are it's portions. Ex- exactly. That's exactly. It's like where's the little kid's hand? Like the way he's doing all these turns and shit and not falling off the board. And I'm just I I I gotta admit I I was holding my sides. I was floored. Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved it, but not for the reason they wanted me to. And I'm like, well, That's okay. I, I didn't want to ask too because we we've already kind of you know gushed a bit on Frank Langella's Skeletor. He 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 did the best he could with it, and he actually he was he's the best thing out of this movie. Yeah, is him as he Skeletor. did great with it. He's great. Oh my What God. do you think of Dolph Lundgren as He Man though? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the makeup of Skeletor. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. I oh, I enjoy Dolph as He Man. I wish he would have gotten a chance to do anything. And I, I think he, he feels the same way. Yeah, I wish um, he would have cared. He doesn't care yeah. for this role. He he says it's one of his I think least he was favorite burnt, roles. I think he was burned out on yeah. just the pre-production process. And by the time they actually get to making this thing, I, I don't think he was as interested as he was when he started. But, um, yeah, he's he's never been, like, shy about saying he did not care for this movie and this yeah. role at all. I think it's, it's unfortunate that they didn't give He-Man much to do in this movie besides, like, he jumps in and saves the day whenever he has to, like, you know, Well, like fight, you said, but... he's not a lead. He's actually kind of yeah. not a lead. Yeah, he becomes a supporting character very quickly, and um, you really get to see him in full He-Man mode once. And the you know the climax of the film, you know, you get the I have the power and the the sword of Gray Skull and all the you know all this stuff that they don't really explain to you, but you recognize from the show if you've seen the show. Um, but I don't know. He's he's fine in it. Like he functions fine. He certainly looks the part. Like he is the perfect person to play this role. Yeah, uh, this and, time. and he's a good yeah. enough actor. Like he, you know, he 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 does what he does, but he's a uh, good enough actor that he could have been a really great He Man. I think he just wasn't given a very meaty role here, um, and it's unfortunate because I can't. And I'll have to my. Uh, I have a good friend that's like a a giant Dolph fan, which I have. You know, you don't run into those real often. In fact, he's the only one I've run into in my entire life that like Dolph Lundgren's one of his favorite actors, and um, oh wow, he. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to ask him because he would know, but I'm pretty sure this is the only time we saw Dolph 
in like a sword and sorcery type movie and like as the barbarian-esque character and i feel like it's something he was like essentially born to play yeah and it's kind of disappointing that he just doesn't get a chance to shine i don't know i think he to answer the question in a very long form i think he was perfect for he-man i just don't think they gave him anything to work with honestly i think if you if looking at him in this role if you would have given him longer hair he would have made an amazing conan yeah yeah he really would have and then that's nothing against schwarzenegger but i think he would have made just an awesome conan as well he's got yeah, the, even he's just got to see him brow, in another similar actually. role yeah. yeah and well he's he's where's dolph lundgren from again isn't he swedish he's swedish he's yeah. like so he's from like there's a Viking element to him in terms of like Scandinavian. Maybe that's yeah. insulting, mm-hmm. but I'm just like that Scandinavian. I'm very type. offended. No, okay. Well, I was thinking. Well, yeah. Joe, let's, let's talk a bit about like Skeletor's makeup. <laughs> well, really just quickly, the makeup I want in general in this. I wanted to point out one thing about T-Man before he carried on, and that is because he was so greased up. Anytime that he <laughs> had to hug Courtney Cox's character, I felt terrible for that actress. I'm like. That denim jacket, it's covered in grease stains now, right? That's baby oil all over that <laughs> oh, fucking sure. thing. Like, that is... Ugh. <laughs> that washing out. Sliming people like Slimer yeah. from Ghostbusters. Like, that ain't washing out. It's like, it's, it's like the Hordak slime pit. There you oh, go. yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. It's just he got cut. Co- That's what they did. They actually coated him in baby oil using the Snake Mountain playset that had the slime <laughs> dump. Um, it's one of those few things I fucking know. Anyways, yes, Joe, let's go back to the Skeletor makeup because, yeah. What's Probably funny is they kind of, it, it's good, I think. It is. It's good. Yeah. It mm-hmm. looks a lot like Hordak, who yeah. is the She-Ra main villain and yeah, arguably just as fucking cool as Skeletor. Um, well, made Skeletor, Horde. so. But yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. so. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, or like, at least yeah. in the new one. That in sorry, that not new one. The two thousand one. That backstory. Hordo. It yeah. does kind of look like a cross between the two. It's yeah. the eyes. Yeah. They show the yeah. eyes. But that's actually kind of cool. I know in yeah. in the two thousand resurgence of, of Masters of the Universe, they actually give Skeletor a backstory, which is actually one of the coolest things about that series. Yeah. Um, Kind of like Joker-esque, actually. Yeah, it is. They don't do that here. You don't get, just with any of the characters, you get no backstory. (laughs) It's kind of like the end of a story that nobody told you about. That's kind of how this movie feels like. But Skeletor, I mean, you you gotta feel kind of bad for him, because the dude looks like that, and his name is Skeletor. It's kind of like, well, this was gonna happen. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, But no. I'm trying to think that name probably had to come afterwards, right? Like, whatever. You know, when, when you've got an actor in this much makeup and prosthetics it's and i think this movie is a good example where you've got two characters that are in full makeup that have speaking lines you have you know Gwildorf and you have um now Gwildor and you, you have skeletor and skeletor they like you can see frank Lagella speaking these lines and it really gives that character some life and then you've oh, got yeah, billy barty who is buried under so much makeup, it's like a floppy mouth and his voice. (laughs) Occasionally you can see the mouth, which is covered in black makeup, underneath the floppy mouth of uh, Gwildor. Gwildor never actually closes his mouth. He just kind of like gums. Well, he would fucking suffocate if he didn't, I think. (laughs) And so that's one of the unfortunate things here is like the makeup is really good on one character and kind of like just 
paste it on the other. Um, yeah. Well, it's a lot of heavy. The Gwildar makeup. makeup looks good when he doesn't have to move, like when he doesn't speak and doesn't. It looks fine. It's functional, but and he's not eating yeah. a chicken wing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's tough when he actually tries to use any of the face. Like. Yeah. But, but um, the Skeletor, they like I made the comment about the eyes, but the eyes are very important to like the act and that's being fucking portrayed here. Like it's. Mm. It's like, yeah, there, you should never have cover, covered the eyes. They didn't. And it's just like, it's weird because it's not accurate to Skeletor because he is just a fucking skeleton. But it's like one of those things where I think as I'm older, as a kid, it kind of were, it kind of bothered me when I saw that one brief scene. But as, I, as yeah. I'm older, I'm like, oh my God, this is necessary. Like this, these eyes are important. In fact, it kind of adds to that creepiness of Skeletor to see like eyes. Yeah. Like maybe there's well, a different way that, to like... approach it, but... Yeah. how his skull is actually shaped and then you've got this skin stretched over it and you know he's got yeah. these little fang-like protrusion teeth it's just really really well done um and the smile yeah i think it's smiles. a yeah yeah it's a great makeup um you're right it doesn't look a hell of a lot like skeletor but it's fine like i i think it's a good interpretation to bring it to life especially in the yeah. context of this being 1987 and it being done with you know makeup effects so yeah they could have felt like felt covered the eyes, like made it black gaping holes. But I agree with Ryan. I think it would have, you would have lost a lot of Frank Langella's uh, performance, performance because so much yeah. of that does come through the eyes. I think so. Uh-huh. I, yeah. guess, it I think it's a wise choice. It kind of like Skeletor. It kind of makes you like it's weird, but it's like, oh, this is the Skeletor I think I fucking connected to most to because I don't <laughs> know. There's a human element that I can kind of like like as a like he's a, a villain, but like you like it's one of those villains you kind of like to like. Like, I like Skeletor yeah. as a villain, but this version of Skeletor, because of that performance, is just like, I like it. Like, if anything, I'm glad this movie exists just that for that <laughs> moment. And, yeah, and it sounds like he's a fantastic screen villain, I think. Like, and oh, it yeah. sounds like critics pretty much agreed across the board that he's great in this. Just yeah. they were not kind to the rest of the film, but everybody kind of agreed, like, yeah, he was really good as a Skeletor. And, you know, today it'd be you know, fucking Josh Brolin in a green suit or whatever, you know, it'd be, right. it'd be you like know. having a, what, like a fucking hockey mitt or whatever it was as the gauntlet. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to be something like it, it'd be that, but in, this is a good example of like practical effects being done really well. And, but again, they made it their own. The movie has some serious pacing and other issues, but they yeah. got this part right and well it's no it's yeah it's not all bad there are good things here it just isn't it doesn't hold together like it's just right not, right, yeah. right well so. there is a fun funny thing that is mentioned in the documentary of the he-man documentary that joe mentioned uh where frank is talking about how at the time he was really ripped like he had oh yeah he had tone and definition and muscular in his, in his 40s but um and he thought like this is perfect because skeletor has a lot of muscles but they're like they like, yeah, this Skeletor is not... We're not going to show his muscles. We don't want him to be muscular. Um, we're going to put him in a long flowing robe. And, yeah, we're going to hide it. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is like now knowing that and looking at this movie and just like, yeah, Skeletor is still fucking ripped. He's just having his, you know, winter season wardrobe, apparently. Um, which wasn't bad. It was kind of cool. He looked like an evil monk in a way with those... Um, like the way they kind of like... Uh, scarf-like satchel or whatever like there's this th- strings that hang from below that have the like the silver-ish 
uh, ornamentation. Um, it, it was a cool costume, to be yeah. honest. It wasn't bad, but it yeah. would have been interesting to see the final scene where he turns into God mode and he's able to drop all that shit. And then you see like buff fucking Skeletor. That would have been interesting because yeah. he man loses his fucking clothes when he has the power. And essentially you see Skeletor get the power in this movie. And, and he instead turns into like covered in gold and if a fucking giant, like metallic antlers or whatever they are. Like he looks, yeah. He looks like the city metropolis as a headdress. You know? Yeah, that's, like that's a weird. cross between Loki and a villain from a Bruce Lee movie, you know, kind like, of thing. I would say Heimdall, actually. Like that yeah. massive fucking headdress <laughs> from yeah. Heimdall from the first Thor movie. Yeah. yeah. Or the villain from, uh, and Eric will correct me on the name, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Actually, <laughs> name. I don't know. Yeah. But, but you know who I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to kick myself later because I can't come up with it, but yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, did, did either of you have a thing with this one where... Did either of you have a, a situation where it, watching this one for the podcast changed your perspective of it a bit? Because that sometimes happens to me, and it did happen to me this time. Yes and no. Like, I, I feel like... I certainly it certainly brought out some of the faults of this movie and this is a movie I just historically have enjoyed. I think I've always been aware even as a kid that it wasn't like a really great movie. But there was enough about it that I liked and I don't know like they they got somebody so much of the design stuff right and and this and that. I just I don't know generally found it enjoyable. It was it was a good watch and um I think watching it now um certainly highlighted some of its faults many of its faults but it's i don't know at the same time like it's it's certainly going to hit a nostalgia place with me and probably more so than like i said earlier i wasn't super connected with the he-man so i had some he-man toys and i was aware of the show in fact I, i'm sure i had seen it from time to time but this is really this movie was really my connection to he-man more than anything or the thing that i remember the most from growing up so so it's certainly kind of I, I, I have that, like, affinity for it, but yeah. I mean, like always, watch it, rewatching it, not only through the eyes of, you know, of somebody in their mid to late 30s <laughs> of something you loved as a kid, but also, um, yeah, just kind of dealing with that or processing that nostalgia is uh, interesting. And that, that happens a lot, so, when we do these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I think it is here, is I always am a little more critical when I watch something for the show, and... and I was in the same boat. This is one that I, I wasn't always a huge fan of. I mean, I liked it kind of on default because I yeah. loved Masters of the Universe as a kid. And But I think, you know, this this one kind of made me realize I think this was the end of my He-Man phase. I mean, this, this was this the end of, of He-Man in the it, 80s. It really this was. End, it, this ended He-Man. It, it kind of brought it to a <laughs> close for, for me as well. Um, I mean, for me, like, of course, this was like like a weird... Eternian unicorn that I was always kind of chasing <laughs> and then like yeah. learning about it being really bad and stuff and just like not really being able to find it very easily um when I was interested because this is like bef like this was around the time where we didn't have streaming services and shit but we had right. internet so it was just like I would have to find clips on YouTube and that that would have to be it 
and then I kind of let that go. But to finally be able to watch it, I was excited to see this, uh, actually. I was excited to review it especially. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, Joe, um, this, this, I enjoy this because of the podcast. Like, the podcast <laughs> gave this a new life because it's like, oh, this is going to be a really cool thing to kind of review because it represents a big uh, pop culture element from the 80s. Uh, that arguably kind of exists today, um, but it's not a good representation of it. It's a bad movie, uh, but with very interesting things. Um, it's a weird fucking gladiator. No, sorry, not gladiator. Uh, barbarian, space, sci-fi, very, like Californian Valley Girl type uh, movie. It's just a weird combination of things. It's like It's like Back to the Future without Back to the Future in a weird way. Like... Like Marty's out flying off somewhere in, in, in a different timeline, like uh, like two, not two pines. I forgot the name of the fucking town that they grew up in and uh, Back to the Future. Anyways, that fucking town, just downtown, He-Man shows up as well. And then you still have oh, the same. You same, got James Tolkien in there, too. Yeah, so. I was going to say, and you have the same fucking actor <laughs> being the same fucking person. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he always—it's like, Lubick. yeah, yeah. He always has to have a, have a shotgun somewhere. I think mm-hmm. at some point. Um, yeah. Well, Ryan, I, I guess while you're on it, why don't you just throw a grade at this one? It's one of those movies, like of many, where they take like a beloved f- kids franchise and they try to turn it into a live action film, uh, and it's not great. It's not even like it. It looks very. It's very alienating. It's not the universe. It's just the universe with, like, the skin, vaguely. It's kind of like Mario Brothers movie, like the Mario Brothers movie <laughs> in that regards, which, haha. Uh, anyways, we'll see how that turns out. But um, maybe this was the plan all along. It's one of those uh, things. Uh, uh, <laughs> interskeletor laugh. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's one of those things. Where it's like, God, this is a mess. I love watching it. <laughs> it's like that's what this <laughs> is. Like I don't care for like the the these eighties. It's it's like a time capsule where you see like the the late eighties and early nineties kind of like capture this moment, but they don't know what the fuck they're doing. You have like this recurrent joke that the the cosmic key is this Japanese synthesizer because if there's any kind of foreign technology, it has to be Japanese. And it's like, um, that's racist. Um. <laughs> Or uh, one of my favorite scenes I didn't get to bring up. By that, I just mean it was just... It was kind of so stupid, but also kind of like funny, clever. Is um, near the climax where they're trying to get to act... They're trying to get back to Eternia to save He-Man. I think He-Man was taken at this point. But um, they're left... So the rest of them are back on Earth. Uh, Fucking Diet Odo is asking the teenage dude... Like, hey, can you figure out... You're a musician. Can you figure out the cosmic key? You remembered the fucking rhythm. And he's trying to think about the song that was trapped in his head. And then, like, you hear the background music build and build. And he's like, I can't do it with that music in the background. And you find out the background music playing was actually a physical piece of music in the background. And they shot it and turned it off. And there's no background music. I thought that was kind of a funny <laughs> gag. Um, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's, that has no place in a movie like this. That was too mm-hmm. good for this movie, but far too clever for this. Yeah. Right. But I feel like that's a good representation of this movie as a whole. There are elements that it's like, that are kind of like pretty clever. It's kind of like fun to watch. Uh, it's not great, 
but it has its barely it has it has its golden moments. It deserves a B minus. I would actually probably give it a higher grade, but I'm like I don't. That's not fair. <laughs> it's like it's not that good of a movie, but it's a fun movie. I highly recommend watching it. Um, what about you, Eric? Yeah, I I'm gonna actually echo a lot of that, and I know a lot of this is coming from nostalgia, but. If you can forget that this is the adaptation of He-Man, you know, and Masters of the Universe, I think it's an overall, like, it's a serviceable 80s action sci-fi barbarian flick. That's a lot of descriptive words, but, um, I don't know, you kind of get what you're, what you're paying for. It's like a canon films, a Golden Globus Swords and Sorcery sci-fi movie. Um, however, when it gets compared with its source material, which I think is all the risk that they they were you know, obviously they were gambling with um, having some backlash when you do something that distance itself from the source material. That way you, you do kind of alienate the fan base. And I think this movie more than anything is guilty of that. Well, you brought up the Mario brothers movie, Ryan, that's probably <laughs> even more guilty of doing that. But I mean, this know, movie also so it looks like time a, travel. So I don't know. It was trying right. to do everything. <laughs> so. it, uh, it looks like, and by all, you know, by all accounts, probably was a cash grab for Canon Films. You know, they they got the rights to this big name and they made this movie. And um, it was also a last-ditch effort on Battelle's He-Man line. Yeah, they were trying, trying to squeeze the last bit of yeah. <laughs> juice out of it. Um, but in general, like, it's not a bad watch. It's not a good movie. It's not well-constructed necessarily, and if you have any knowledge of He-Man, it's going to be a bit disappointing that they just transport the key, you know, the cast, key cast, that's funny, Um, (laughs) the main characters into a 20th century Earth, you know, contemporary setting, um, you know, and introduce, like, characters you don't have any reason to care about, and uh, yeah, it's uh, frustrating to say the least, but there's a strong set of nostalgic uh love for this that i have from just i don't know seeing it as a kid and i think the thing that sticks with me the most is like joe said a bunch of times how disappointing it is um because of how good the stuff that's good in this movie is and you you're like okay well that the stuff in eternia if we could have gotten this for 90 minutes this really could have been something yeah. uh, it was never going to happen obviously but yeah so so because of that disappointment I would say, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Ryan. I, like close to Ryan, I'm gonna say it's a it's a C plus movie. Like I find it enjoyable. It's not a chore to sit through. There's a lot of good things about it. It in 1987 was that the best He-Man movie we were gonna get. I don't know. That's questionable. Maybe <laughs> somebody else could have done better with it, but it is what we got. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it give it a C plus. I don't think this is bad. Here's my main point: is I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. So. Yeah, I'm actually going to echo a lot of that too, and I'm going with a C plus as well on this one. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I did the high it, one. I did not. You did that. honestly. <laughs> it, it's it is a lot of fun, but uh, if you're going into this like hoping for something that's really tied to the source material, if that's what brought you to this, Mm-mm. it is disappointing. The but and I think what makes it more disappointing is the fact that, like you said, Eric, there are some things in this that really are spot on. Skeletor, the Eternia stuff. I wanted more of that. And we got very little of it. And the oh, stuff so that we got instead was just kind of run of the mill. And it, 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 you can, the cuts were obvious that this was originally planned to be a bigger film, a better film. Where it shines, it shines. But unfortunately, it's, it's kind of a, a half, you know, 
in between. So it's yeah, like I'm gonna in with a brain injury. It it is. It it's <laughs> kind of like the 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 real last ditch effort for the He-Man cartoon was the He-Man in space, the the you know the new adventures which crash and burned, and that's kind of this was coming in at the end of the steam anyway. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with a C plus. But we would love to know if any of our listeners have any. Uh, things they want to add to this conversation about Masters of the Universe. Were you a fan of He-Man? Are you excited about the new series? What are your thoughts of the other cartoons, toys? And of course, what are your thoughts on the movies? And we hope you share those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with us at the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, on Facebook at the main Video Junkyard Podcast page or the group, as well as Pinterest, Instagram, anywhere else you can find anything to do with the Video Junkyard Podcast. So, coming up on the Video Junkyard podcast, our uh, elder member and leader is going are going off Jesus and uh, going to leave us on our own. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Joe's going to be out uh, we out for a few out. weeks, and we're uh, yeah. yeah, we're sending him to the uh, desert. Ryan and I Just are going to be running the, running the ship. If you remember, last year around the same time we we did the same thing. So going to Eternia. We successful is up to you. <laughs> uh, see how well, yeah, we're going to bring you a few things. You can and... count and figure out if they're planets. Yeah. So over the next <laughs> few weeks, and, and, and technically Masters of the Universe Tonight was a movie that Ryan picked for us, so as part of that, and uh, Joe I did it for actually, Joe. Yeah. Fortunately, had I had time to join us, and I'm glad you did because you're definitely the He-Man fan out of all of us. So he's got uh, the under ruse, Eric. I yeah, think. that's right. Yeah, squeeze squeeze back into those things for us tonight. <laughs> so uh, we want we, we want a desert shot. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I know. Next week we're going to be looking at uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, and then Ryan's going to pick out a couple of movies for us and. Uh, yeah, guide us into uh, until Joe gets back, and then we'll um, yeah, we got take it from there. Yeah, I'm not sure what's coming up. Our schedule's running a little short here, so yeah. we're all, it's going to turn into real He-Man in space type in the next few days. So <laughs> brace your ears. Thank you all for listening to the Video Junk Air podcast, and hope you enjoyed it. And you'll be willing to share it around. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel saying. There's only well, one thing you should be saying. Hold on. At the end of Jesus. this podcast. Fucking Christ, let me get to it. <laughs> there isn't... We don't say goodbye in Eternia. We only say good journey. And good luck getting laid with that line. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>